0: So, um, yeah, we're going to move into a message now uh, for about half an hour or so and sing, sing another song, and then we will we'll eat together. Um, can you guys maybe turn the house lights up a little bit as well? It's just a bit dark up here. Yeah, that's good. Awesome. Um, yeah, so we are already talking about food before. Now I'm going to show you some pictures of food, and you're probably going to start to smell the food, so you're going to be really hungry by the time we get to the end of this. Um, but we're going to talk about food as well, which is cool. So we're actually starting... Just a short little series, um, which we're calling The Table. Um, I'm realising I'm not very creative with words, I've got the way, and now the table, and I'll probably just have something else that's the something. like uh, It's not very creative. Um, but The Table, and this is this, like, we're, we're kind of spending a couple of weeks talking about community, um, God's heart for community, and that food actually has a really um, key place in that. And we're kind of going to get to that after a little while. But to start with, I just want to start by I guess making a bit of an argument or a bit of a just, just presenting some ideas about why community is so important. Um, it's kind of something I think we value, um, but sometimes you may not always really realise why. Like We like being with people most of the time. I guess some people don't like being with people, um, but, but most people are like, yeah, community is great. Like we want to have a good community, we want to be a part of a good community, but, but why does it actually matter? I'm going to give you two reasons and then we're going to look at some issues. That we face sort of in the church, and then an idea um, how we can grow together a bit more. So the first thing is this idea that we talked about this earlier in the year. This idea that we're all growing spiritually, even if you're not a Christian, right? No matter whether you're coming to church or not, well, just by waking up in the morning, you're growing to be a certain type of person. You're being formed. You're being shaped. And there's a trajectory. And it's going in a certain direction, and it's only small incremental growth, but it will lead to a certain destination. And there's a few different sort of ingredients that make up what, what shapes us and forms us as people. And the first sort of framework I'm going to show you, we talked about this earlier in the year, is, is how you are growing and being shaped by just waking up in the morning, by not doing anything at all. It's called unintentional spiritual formation. Just by being alive and breathing... The things that you're doing, the places you are will have an impact on you and grow you to be a certain type of person. So really quickly, these three things and, and one core thing are the stories that you believe. Um, the stories that you believe about your life, about the story of the world. Um, we're constantly getting given stories in advertising. We're constantly watching stories in movies. And, and we kind of just think like, oh, it's just a movie or it's, it's just a show. Like, and it's like, yes, but at the same time, they affect us, they, they shape us, um, they, they change us. Um, as well as that, habits. Um, the things that we just repeatedly do shape us. They actually shape our heart and what we desire. The best example of this is coffee. right? Like Most people don't like coffee when they're kids, but you drink it and you keep drinking it, and then you can't not drink it. Like You start to love it so much. And often it's just this practice of this habit that actually grows you to something that you love. You might have a routine even that you just love and you just have to do it because you've done it so much. It's the way you do things. As well, our relationships. The people that you're around um, in your family, I guess particularly the close relationships, I guess your workplace, um, just people that you're around will impact you and and are forming you and, and shaping you. And all of that's in your environment. So the country, the house you live, the society that you're part of, um, as well, we have online environment as well. So you can sort of be here, but you can also be on the internet. And that's like another environment. And it, it shapes and forms you unintentionally. So what we want to do as followers of Jesus is say that we believe him and we believe his way is the best and that we are called to be like him. And that actually involves change. And sometimes we think that God will just zap us and we'll change or we'll just learn enough stuff and we'll change. But but actually, we tend to change slowly over time based on this framework. Therefore, what we do is say, how can we intentionally make sure that the person we're growing to become is the person we want to be and ultimately is like Jesus? So we say, how do we intentionally structure our lives for our spiritual formation and growth? And the first one is we swap out just the stories and the things that come at us all the time with intentional teaching. We say, actually, we want our mind, we want our perspective on life to be informed by what we believe is the truth, which is what's in the scripture, which is the true story of the world. Actually, the, the story of what's actually going on in the world is reflected in the Bible. And actually, that gives our origin. It gives our problem. It gives our issue. It's actually the way we start to view the world. So teaching is important. That's not just like this, but this might be podcast. This might be Bible reading. This might be study. Like, like we say, actually, we're going to intentionally think about what we believe through teaching. As well as that, we replace just the habits that may be there just by, by default with intentional spiritual practices. This is just things like prayer, um, even things like coming to church, things like giving financially, like giving generously to something actually shapes you and, and changes you and makes you a more generous person, maybe even fasting. Um, these are actually things that we have to do. And it's not, they're not works that we earn, but it's that it actually positions ourselves in line with the Holy Spirit, who's at the center, that actually starts to shape us. And you might have realized this, like just, just learning mostly doesn't change you. There's actually an aspect we have to do. We have to actually practice. We actually have to change the way we live. And that starts to shape us. As well as that, so right at the center is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one who grows us and changes us, but we have to position ourselves with him. But one really important thing in our spiritual formation is community. That actually the relationships impact us, therefore, we need to intentionally live in community with people who are going the direction we want to go. We actually need to be with other followers of Jesus. And in this community that's saying we are growing to be like him, we want to follow him, we believe him. And actually being in that is therefore so important. In some ways, sometimes the way that um, maybe even Christianity gets presented. Uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit more later on or just, just our society or, or just the messages you've heard. Maybe what you've heard really is that life is just about me and God and just me and God growing and Christianity is just something that's individual and personal and you just do it at home and it, it doesn't have to do with anybody else. And there's an aspect of that that's true, that it's, it's between you and God and the secret place, but we cannot actually live out our faith. We cannot actually grow unless we're in community. It, 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 we need that. God has designed it like that, that we're actually to be together in a community that's centered around Jesus and growing together. So community is incredibly important for our individual spiritual formation. And again, it's not, it doesn't just mean all being in a room together, but actually being and doing life together, actually having people who can speak into our lives and encourage us. We need that. We need people who can expose the stuff in ourselves that we don't even see. And, and, and we can easily, when we're sort of in our own world, just have in really inflated views of ourselves. As soon as we come to a community or come to a small group or come to a difficult relationship, we realize where we're really at. And again, it's a gift that then we can work through it. So we need community for our personal spiritual formation. On top of that, though, God's desire is not for a whole lot of individuals who are just in a community about their individual spiritual formation. God actually desires a people. What he's actually wanting and what, where everything is heading towards is a people who are God's people, where he dwells with them. Scripture even talks about them being his bride, Jesus' bride. This is his collective community of people who follow and love him. I'm going to read out a few passages that, that talk about this. This is from Ephesians 2, 19. This is talking about, so, so originally, right, God's people, he, he called Abraham as the people of Israel. And these people then in Jesus, Jesus comes from the family of Abraham. In Jesus now, God's people is anybody, anyone who believes in Jesus. And it's also people who are not Israelites, who are not Jewish. And Paul's speaking to these people, and he's talking to the people who are not Jewish, who are Gentiles, who now have been welcomed into this people. He says, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, But fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. This is a metaphor of a building. God is building a building on Jesus. He's the cornerstone. Apostles, the prophets, and the people of God. In him, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This, this letter is all about the, the Jews, the Gentiles, this new people of God together where God dwells with them. And this is, so this is not a physical building. It's not that God is building a physical building. It's a metaphor that it's a people. God desires a people that he can dwell with, that his presence can be there. And he can, they can reflect him and rule the earth and rule over Christ. That's, that's God's desire for humankind. Also, in First Peter, um, he says this, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. So God desires a people. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And this is us, right? Like, like for, we believe in Jesus, and by the Spirit, God has created a people. And rivers, right, is, is the local expression of that here. But this people is, is worldwide. This, that's what the church is. Again, the, ch- the church is not the building or the service, the church is the people who have the Spirit of God, who are God's special people. And then we gather together. Therefore, community is so important that we actually live out that, that desire of God to be a people. Not just individuals, but together, growing together. We actually are a small expression of this like, global people, that way God can dwell. So there's just two reasons why this, this, this idea of community is so important. But, and this is, this is, I think, just in some ways, the way we do church or talk about church um, can sometimes not reflect that. Or it doesn't seem like we value that. And I don't know if that's necessarily our fault, but I think just Western culture has gone in a certain direction that, that doesn't really value this communal expression of faith in some ways. Now, just two ideas that, that shift this, I think, or impact this. The first one is just individualism. And, and just sort of Western culture is, in, is very individualistic, which has lots of really good things about it, right? Like we realize that individual people are very important and, and one person's life really matters that people have rights, that that human rights are important for the individual, and that people have their own desires and their own um, goals, and that's important. But the problem with this is that sometimes this can so shape our lives that we start to think that life is about us, that life is about me as an individual, and that life centers and revolves around me as an individual, and the self almost becomes God. And then we can take that to church, and church becomes the place to, as an individual, self-create or self-actualize or, or find ourselves. And, and it becomes this really individualistic pursuit. And the, this idea of being a community or a people is neglected. And it becomes just about individuals. On top of that, we also, in our culture, is very consumeristic or materialistic. That, that we're so um, used to getting products and services that that's kind of often how we live. Like, like the main place to go is, is to Westfield. Like that's what you do on the weekend. You, you go and buy things. And again, that's not bad. There's, there's, there's good things. But this can also affect our approach to church in that this becomes the place where you get spiritual goods and services. You go to Westfield to get the material, You come to Rivers to get the spiritual. You, like we come, rock up, have some good worship, have a little bit of teaching, have some communion, you're good. That's another week. And, and we can kind of approach the service as a service. It's like we just come up and we have the service and we go home. But, but it's, that's backwards, right? Like the service is an expression of the, the group, the community. This is the gathering. We gather as a people to worship. The, the, the service is not the church. The church is the people and the service is how we express it. But because of just the way we, we sort of organize things and just the way we've been impacted, we can kind of lose that. So what I'm suggesting in this series and, and, and tonight is, well, how can we raise the value of community? How, how can we prioritize this when, when in some ways the way we structure things or the way we might think by default doesn't? What can we actually do Again, something we can practice to shape us and change us and form us individually and as a community in the direction that we intentionally want to go. And it's really simple and it's really easy. And I almost felt strange about giving this message and I was like, this is just too basic. But this is something, one thing we can do is eat together around a table. Very simple. That we actually just prioritize eating, sitting down with each other, and sharing a meal. So again, we don't. That, that, it's, it's kind of an afterthought in the way we do church. Like, like we do church, and then we're like, well, we, we'll go get something to eat after church. But, but that actually wasn't really what it was like in the early church. It was actually, we're going to read some, some passages, and actually at, really in some ways at the center, or at least a really high value for the early church, was eating together. It, it seems really simple, but profound. And again, I think this is the case. Something can be simple, but can still be forgotten. Or something can be simple and still really, really powerful. I'm going to read from Acts 2. This is this great passage that describes what's happened after the Holy Spirit has come. Thousands of people have believed in Jesus. These are people from all different places. They're not at their home. They need to be looked after. This is what the community is described like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It's interesting, right? Like one of the things right at the top is breaking of bread. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common. There's this, this supernatural, powerful expression of community and belonging to each other. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is a really profound, like dense little passage, like a few verses, that just gives a snapshot of what the church was like there. And it's interesting. So Luke, Luke is writing this. And He mentions food like three times. Like there's so many things going on. But he makes a priority that says they were breaking bread. And then he says it again here. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. He mentions it basically three times in this short passage. And he's making a point, right? Like this was important for them. They would meet in each other's homes. They would share food together. And there was this This powerful, supernatural community. There were people gathered by the Spirit. On top of this, um, we look at some other letters in the New Testament. In in 1 Corinthians, Um, there's a church and they've got all sorts of problems. And one of the problems is they're coming together to eat. And it seems like um, that's the main way they're meeting, that their church is actually around a meal. This is what Paul said. One verse in that passage is, so then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. The, the, the issue was that people were eating first, and other people, they were running out of food, and some people were getting drunk, and some people were getting excluded. There was all these problems. But the interesting kind of thing that we can like pull from it, though, is that they, the, the meal was actually really central to their gathering. Like, When they gathered, they gathered to eat. And part of that was having communion, or the Lord's Supper, um, they, they would have prayed and, and, and worshipped and probably read scripture and stuff like that, but it wasn't necessarily in the context of like a building, but it was in the context of a home around a table sharing food. And this is actually how it started. This was really important to them. As well as that, this seems to be a really high value for Jesus when we read the scripture and the, some of the gospels, particularly the gospel of Luke. Um, if you read through the gospel of Luke, and just be aware of references to food. And it's like all through. There's just so much about food. He just mentions it heaps and heaps. There's one guy that I was reading and listening to who said um, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is either at a meal, he's leaving a meal, or he's going to a meal. It's like everything is around meals. And Jesus is just eating with people all the time. And the interesting thing is that this was such a high value for him. There's this passage in Luke where Jesus talks about himself. He says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus is talking about the people who are like accusing him and pointing the finger at him, and he's he's explaining what they are calling him. And the name that they're calling Jesus, right, is that he's like greedy, he eats too much food, and he drinks too much wine. And it's like That's a really strange thing to accuse Jesus of, right? We probably wouldn't really think of him like that. But to get that accusation right, like he was eating with people, he was celebrating with people, he was he was drinking with people. Again, that accusation is wrong, like he was definitely not going to excess at all, but he was eating a lot. He was sharing meals with people a lot. And this this was a high value for him, just sitting down at someone's house eating sharing life, growing together. And this is a simple idea, right? But in lots of ways, we've kind of lost it, I think. And again, food was so important to this culture. right? You had to make it, you had to, you had to wait for it. Like You didn't, couldn't just go to Macca's or Subway. Like, like, and we, we live in a different time. But I think because of the time we live, in some ways maybe we've lost the value of a meal, of, or, or we've lost the value of eating together. Um, we kind of just get some food because we're hungry and we go to the drive through or, or we can just put it in the microwave and it's really quick. And, and, and rather than sit down and share life, this is a quote um, from one guy who, who talks about this. This is from America, but I think it's probably related, just around eating around a table at home. He said, 60 years ago, the average dinner time was at someone's home was 90 minutes, so an hour and a half. Today, it's less than 12 minutes. That's when we do eat t- together, which is less and less frequently. The majority of US families report eating a single meal together less than five days a week. And even then, our dinners together are mostly in front of the TV. And again, I think it's just society has shifted and changed. And there's good things. But perhaps we've lost something as well. I was thinking about this today. And and when I was a kid, um, mum and dad would want us to eat at the table with them. and, And they did. But it was a battle. Like... Like we wanted to watch TV, like, and and it would have been hard. Like when the TV's right there, and then we're like, we'll just sit at the table and watch TV, and then it slowly gets like pulled to the TV. Like it's 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 difficult, but there's 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 a value that has been lost in some way. This guy in, in his book, in another part of it, he said, um, he, he they regularly eat together as a family around the table, and I think it was his son had a friend around or something and ate at the table, and then the friend went home, and the friend was just weirded out because he'd just never done that before. He'd never just sat down as a family and eaten. So to go to a house where that happens, he just thought it was strange. And, and that, that may be true for a lot of people. That That's actually just not a practice or a habit that's, that's been a part of your upbringing or, or your life. But, but in a family, in a community, in a church, it's such a simple thing, but can actually grow to, to leading us to share life do life grow together we actually share life over a table this is what one lady says about that she says few acts are more expressive of companionship than the shared meal someone with whom we share food is likely to be our friend or well on the way to becoming one the word companion like 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 being a friend being with someone actually in it is the word bread it it means you share bread that your companion is the person that you share bread together with and again simple practice that can actually unite us at a table, which is like this level place almost. Like we sit and we share a meal. And I, I don't know if you found that. Like when you, when you do that intentionally, like, or maybe sometimes you're forced to. Like you go to a wedding or something and you're sitting there and you're around people you don't know. And it's like two hours or something like that and you're sharing a your meal. But eventually you start to talk and you start to share and, and you relax. And it takes time, which is different to let's just get some food and it just is really quick and we're done, like 12 minutes. Like, like a meal, I should sit down, like let's share together. So very simple practice. Eat together around a table. Look, and it doesn't have to be a table, right? Like you can sit on the floor. Like yes. if we don't have enough table tonight, like you can take it somewhere. Like that's not the point, but eating and sharing together. I just want to give you some quick, a quick, like pointers or ideas, or maybe just answer some questions that you might be having as you're thinking through this, and then we'll finish up in a sec. So first, first one is this. What we're talking about is actually hospitality. So hospitality is this idea of being welcoming, of creating space, of sharing with people, and which is different to an idea of entertaining. Now, entertaining is like when you have people around your house and you, you cook them an awesome meal and you, you show them all your stuff and, and it, you, you only invite certain people and it's, it's a lot of work and it needs to be good food and you need to have money to be able to do that and like, that's kind of like entertaining. Again, that's not wrong but what we're talking about is hospitality which means that you just use whatever you have to share. You, you open up your home and if you, if you don't, don't have a home that you can open you go to a coffee shop You go to a barbecue at a park and you invite people and you welcome people and and it's open like like anyone's invited. It's not not this exclusive thing. It's it's, we just welcome people and share life together with whatever we have. Um, It doesn't have to be this high standard of entertaining, but this, this just openness and generosity. As well, hospitality, one guy I was listening to, a lot of this is based on John Mark Comer's series, Eating and Drinking, from, from Bridgetown Church. And he talks about this idea that when you're doing hospitality, it's not just like hosts and guests, and the guests just sit and the host does everything. It's like there's a mix. Like people are all kind of hosts. Like you, you, you see things need to be done. You, you jump up and you do it. You, you share. like You wash up. Like, like Everyone's kind of hosting and everyone's welcoming and everyone's contributing. And it's this, this hospitable community. As well as that, what we're talking about is not primarily about the food but about being together. So again, we say let's eat together or we'll eat a meal with somebody. Again, the expectation might be like, well, I don't know how to cook or I'm not very good at cooking. Or I don't have money to share food with people. Um, and, and we can sort of think all those ex- ex- excuses or reasons not to do it. But it's not primarily about the food. It's about being together. F- food is a vehicle to do this. I mentioned this this morning. I saw Robin, that, the story you told me um, last, last year about this. And Robin went to a church and a lady invited her and a few others back to the house afterwards to share food. And the food that she provided was Vegemite sandwiches, and all Vegemite sandwiches with cheese. And it's like you can you can pick Vegemite sandwich or Vegemite sandwiches with cheese. And it's like, and the awesome thing was, Robin said that that was awesome because it's like that's right. Like it's not about the food. Like most people would be like, I can't have people over my house. It's like all I've got is bread. But it's like no, you can. It's not about the food. It's just about what you have, and just about sharing and about welcoming. And and it, almost like if if the food's not this like amazing. Wonderful food. It almost make, makes sure the value stays that it's actually about being together. It's not about the food. Again, good food is good, um, but, but it's not the main point. And lastly, to practice eating together, what we're talking about is different ages and life stages together. That this is actually a way to grow this vision that God has for the church to be a community of people who are different, but who are united in. Jesus. We talked about this earlier in the year that, that the church fundamentally at its core are people who in some ways are natural enemies. There's, there's Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, male, female, there's rich, there's poor, there's, there's married, there's single, there's families, there's, there's, there's retirees. There's, that's what the church is. And the thing that unites us is Jesus. And Jesus is Lord of everybody. And, and we can have all these differences but the community, the thing that we have in common is Jesus. So all the differences, they are differences. Like it doesn't mean like we're not different. Like we are different. That's the point. But we get along and we love each other because we agree on Jesus. Because we're together in Jesus. And it's almost like the bigger those other differences are, if we're united, it shows that it's about Jesus. Like it's, it's not about that we like the same music or we dress the same way. Or we're the same age. That's not the, the fundamental part of the community. The fundamental part of the community is Jesus. And actually, supernaturally, the Spirit of God in us, that we actually have fellowship because Jesus is in each of us and we are his people. Therefore, as as we practice this, this is this is opportunity to have different ages, life stages together. And the truth is we need each other. And we, I think fundamentally, the truth is we want to be together. I think. Young, the younger people want relationships with the older people. Older people want relationships with the younger people. Married with kids want relationships with single people and want their kids to have relationships with single people. Single people, I don't know if they do want, but, but may, may want to be with and connected to families and, have, and to get to hang out with kids and get to support kids. and, and like, like I think actually we want to be together, but when we're different... We sort of think, well, oh, I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's maybe they don't want it or not. And and it's it's hard, but actually we have an opportunity to, to have differences together united and actually get the value of that. The wisdom of those who have gone before, the energy and the and the, the fresh insight of the young, the experience of, of and the, 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 the joy of kids in families and the time and the freedom of singles. Like there's so many different things that together have so much power and potential to to, to have this awesome community. And so I guess you can sell, right? Like we're talking about this mainly because of what we have decided to do with this service. And and the goal and the vision in in a lot of ways is to start to eat together every week, Um, to get to a place where we eat. And we already do that, but we go to North Lakes. But what we want to do is, is get to a place where we eat together every week here and that that's actually really high value. That it's, it's, it's not just, let's just get some food after the service, but actually let's, let's continue and let's fellowship and let's be together. And on top of that, we're even talking and what we're working out a plan for is that this, the way that that can be sustainable is actually that people bring food each week. We actually bring food and we share food. We all contribute and we eat together. And again, that is like countercultural. Like Like that is, that is challenging. You might already be thinking, like, I don't have time for that. Like, like I don't know how to cook. Like, there, there could be a whole lot of objections. But I think we have an opportunity to do something countercultural, to actually do something different, to actually be particularly a community of young adults who eat together and contribute and share life together every week. Like, that's countercultural, and that's powerful. Um, and, and to be a community that's multigenerational and different people shared, sharing life together, that's powerful. That's countercultural. Like that, that is an example to the world even of what's possible in Jesus. So, so a lot of this is around that vision. But at the same time, and I know there's lots of you guys here who are not, not from Rivers as well. And just from this, 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 for this week, something that you could do, and you may already be doing this, which is awesome, is just someone in your church, someone in your family, in church family, invite them for a meal. like Invite them out to coffee, invite them around your house, but just sit down at a table with somebody and share life together. Grow this practice, this value of just sitting at a table and eating with somebody else. And in many ways, right, when Jesus shared with us, shared in the scripture the night before he went to the cross, he had a meal. And the thing he gave us to remember him was a meal, like we kind of forget that because it's so small. Right? Like it doesn't—it's just this little juice and biscuit the way that we practice it. But when Jesus practiced it, he broke like a big loaf of bread and he had a big cup of wine, and they were in the middle of this feast that they were sharing to you. Like that's fundamentally what it is. It's—it's it's, again, it's shifted away from that, but that—that's what this is. And Jesus is hospitable, right? He—he he provides this this bread and this wine and this opportunity to to break bread and drink wine. And he says, as you do this, you're remembering me. And he said that the bread is his body and that the wine is his blood. Jesus is being the host. And again, at that, that meal, Jesus, as the host, got down and washed their feet and showed this act of love and humility and generosity. And Jesus, in many ways, is so hospitable. God is so hospitable that he adopts us into his family, that he welcomes us as strangers and enemies and he loves us. And and as we practice that we reflect his heart and we reflect him. But even more than that, Jesus in many ways in, in this this in communion, which we're going to take in a moment, Jesus is saying that he is the meal. He's saying that eat of me. He gives himself that's how hospitable and generous he is, He gives Himself. He is the bread of life. He is the one that we eat and drink of and have life in us. And as we take communion tonight, we realize this: that God God made us, He made food, He made the physical world as well as the spiritual world. It's, it's all God's. And he's, he's redeemed us through Jesus. And Jesus has given His life in a meal. He's given Himself as a meal to forgive us and welcome us, and then we get to go out and eat together as his community and reflect him into the world. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to take communion. What we do here is, is we have biscuit and um, grape juice, and you just come and grab a biscuit and dip it in, and you can eat it. And as we do that, we just realize the hospitality of God. And the opportunity we have to show hospitality to each other, even tonight or this week, and as we seek to grow in this this community together so i'm going to pray and then then you can come up and and we have offering bags there if you like to give to the work of the church as well this opportunity to do that too so let's pray father we just thank you so much that your, your heart is just so generous and kind um, jesus that you would come to our earth and that you would share food with sinners um, that you would share a meal and ultimately that you give yourself for us, that we can be with you forever, um, that we can eat with you in your kingdom, um, that we can live and have fellowship even now um, in your family. And we just thank you, Father, for your heart and for your grace and for your kindness. And God, would, you, would, you, would your vision for this place, for, for this, this people here at Rivers um, come to pass, Father? And we just pray for the community that you have in mind Um, that can be your bride, um, that reflects your love. Would you build us into a house that you can dwell in? And Father, we pray that that would just be a house that includes people, that's full of grace and truth. Um, Those who are lonely, those who uh, are sad and grieving, God, would be comforted and welcomed and connected. And Father, we just pray that, yeah, I guess the, the, the individualistic, consumeristic sort of push Um, that we get pulled towards God, would that be broken? And would there be just this fresh vitality and life of hospitality and community and food and fellowship and joy in your presence? Uh, So we just pray that you would do that um, in this place, God, um, just in the other churches in this region, um, just in each of our lives, in our families, in our homes. We just pray this in your name. Amen.